in just thinking about the conversation and and reviewing the, the prep questions, I, I thought it, it has been meaningful for me to be able to land on kind of where I am right now. It's a great check-in, has been a great check-in with myself around some things that I haven't thought about for a, a bit. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Just yeah. by just engaging. We we haven't really even started yet. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, welcome to Grab Your Why. Uh I'm your host. Uh, every time I do this, I'm your host and I'm always like I'm Brian, I'm Dr. G, I'm Dr. Garrett. We're gonna go with Dr. G today. Um, uh, but welcome to grab your why, uh, don't know which number episode this is, but got a great guest. Um, uh, I was, I was reflecting on our relationship and thinking like, what is Cedric to me? And, and, um, I would say, um, Cedric Brown is a, uh, friend slash uncle slash everybody's favorite uncle, I would say <laughs> slash big cousin right north carolina hometown homeboy that's right um that's right. cedric's a lot of things and i want to dive deeper into who cedric brown is but today's guest is cedric brown welcome man thank you dr g thank you it's an honor and a pleasure to be here so thank you i yeah. appreciate this look forward to the conversation yeah so so let's start with I want to start with our relationship um, and how we um, met and connected. Um, and so from, from my, um, my earliest memory of us meeting was at the K-Port Center, right? So mm -hmm. you were uh, a leader at the K-Port Center at the time. This was 2017. And I had just started at SMASH, which is the education arm of K-Port Center. And, um, I spent a good amount of time there. I would spend like a week or two there at a time, um, especially when I first started and then would come to Atlanta as I was launching the, the program at Morehouse, the partnership with Morehouse. And um, I, one of my earliest memories was just seeing you probably after an all hands meeting or something. And um, I think you just made it a point to like speak to me and just say, hey, what's up? You know, just just speak. And from there, what it felt like was, oh, this guy is intentional. Um, this guy cares. I felt embraced. That's what it was. I felt embraced by you immediately. Like, oh, this guy cares about who I am, not just the work I'm doing, but he cares about who I am. And I think you made it a point to to even um, that we broke bread not too long after that and, and had a great conversation. But that was my earliest um, memory of meeting you and, and, and I think you just were a safe person and place to just be. And, um, but that was my earliest memory. What, what, from your perspective, like, what did that look like or how did we connect? So I was trying to remember the, our first interaction and I actually couldn't because I was like, hasn't he always been part of the team right like uh but i do remember that it when i learned who you are learned of who you are and that you were coming aboard making a note that it was that i needed to be sure to connect with you in part because of our north carolina and tar heel connection in part because you were another brother who was coming on to the team and it was always important for me to connect with the other black people let alone black men let alone black people who joined the Greater Cape Boy Center. And uh, most of the time I was able to do that. Um, I think it was particularly uh, necessary for me in my eyes because uh, you're a PhD holder. And I wanted to meet you and hear about your experience, especially since you came through Morehouse, you know, as a Morehouse man, and then went to University of North Carolina, my undergrad alma mater. 
I, I just wanted to connect and hear about your experiences and, and know who you are. So uh, that's why I must have made a beeline and uh, made it a priority to meet, connect, and uh, start down this path of friendship. Um, I don't know if you remember once we took a photo, like all the black men at the Cape War Center took a photo on the stairwell. Hmm. Were you there for that? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you were. Um, I'll, I'll go back and look. I should have looked, but this just came to mind now. Um, and I just wanted to to share that because it's an example of the kind of camaraderie that I thought we were building there and uh, the importance of Black leadership at that particular organization and how so many Black men were in positions of leadership at SMASH, at the KPOR Foundation, me at uh, KPOR Capital, Brian Dixon. So, you know, uh, the, this collection of brothers who were together and getting this work done was really amazing to me. And I'm not sure that I will experience something like that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm. I appreciate that. That that was a uh, special uh, time, I would say special era and and um in place yeah i appreciate you acknowledging that i don't i don't know how much i have thought about um that aspect of that they, that there were these black men in this one place with a um with a common kind of goal or or, or at least um that we all were looking to achieve and do some good um for 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 the, for the community um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So, but here's where I want to go. So I wanted, I wanted to start there, but I want to go back. Right. And I know I mentioned to you, like reflecting on boyhood and childhood. So what got you I'm trying to think about where, I, what, what question I want to ask you first, I guess I need to ask first, what space are you in, in terms of your career, when, what you were doing at Cape Or Center and what you've done since? Like, what do you consider yourself in terms of your profession, in terms of like your work? What is your work? Maybe that's the question. I, I see myself as a social impact professional, as uh, someone who works in philanthropy, mostly in philanthropy, which necessarily means that I also work with nonprofit organizations that are mission driven in order to try to get resourced uh, do the most impactful work that they can do through strategy, through efficiency, um, through creating great cultures uh, and uh, knowledgeable pathways forward. Knowledgeable pathways, meaning they're informed by information that they're getting back because they are evaluating their processes and successes and feeding that evaluation back into the the work that they're doing so i'm trying to be in my current work and role i just started a consultancy blue skies advising i'm trying to be the extra brains eyes hands for philanthropic and nonprofit leadership to do their best work in their organizations and i feel like i have reached this kind of pinnacle of sorts in my career because I have a long career. I've been working for 30 plus years now and uh, have a depth of experience in this field that I hold as valuable and uh, think can be of value to other folks, particularly uh, senior leaders. Uh, as I've you know, led an organization, uh, led different programs, worked with President Obama. So, you know, I feel like this is this is a great place to be and uh, uh, that I have uh, accomplished so many of my goals and uh, am now looking to continue to contribute without having to carry the mantle, right? Without having to be at the front of an organization trying to do it right now. I think I want to be on the side advising for yeah. a little while. Right. That's a great place to be. I, I think not everybody, but lots of folks are trying to 
get get to where you are. So, um, so let me ask you though, what from from your earliest recollections as a as a as a little boy, can you do? What did you want to be? Did you see yourself here? What what was your dream? What did you, right? What did you want to be when you were Cedric the boy? Cedric the boy in what in Western North Carolina? Piedmont region, maybe North Carolina. Piedmont, yeah, Winston Salem. Yes. Right. What yes. what what did you want to be? You know, my early the the earliest career avocation that I, I remember kind of pinpointing. Um let me see if I can go back even further than that. Um I, I have wanted to be things like an architect for a while. I wanted to be uh, a, a city planner <laughs> for, uh, believe it or not, when I was in in junior high school, as it was called then, um, I came across information about city planning and I, I liked thinking about how things related to each other spatially and uh, was a big fan of going downtown. At that time, being able to go downtown was a big deal because there was still this kind of density downtown and still a lot of energy downtown. That was before the advent and opening of the mall, which drew people to suburban shopping away from downtown. And then the advent again of the revitalization of downtown. Anyway, um, but you know, my, I think that the earliest thing I wanted to be was an athlete, was a, a track star, believe it or not. That is what I had my eye on because my father was a track coach because I loved running and participated in track meets starting at age nine um, and wanted to to be a track star, wanted to be a four-time gold medalist. I was a big Olympics fan and um, that's what I had my eye on. Not that that was a professional career, but that's that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Huh. And so, so as, as time goes on, what eventually got you to this space of what, you know, you use the language of social impact. Um, I would even maybe even say social activist that maybe, maybe that word is a bit loaded and, and, and maybe, you know, too, too broad, um, or specific depending, depending on how you're looking at it, but what got you to to this space? Were there was there a, were there was there any particular event, or was this just the evolution of Cedric Brown? Is no, this is where I'm gonna make my mark. I think it was it was the evolution, really. Um, there are these pivotal moments that are milestones in my life where. Um, I, rem so I remember people telling me certain things that then moved me in certain directions. Um, the move into philanthropy and nonprofit work, I think, was an outgrowth of my extracurricular involvement in high school and uh, certainly as an undergrad. And when I was an undergrad, I thought, this is where I'm really blossoming, so I want to work to make this possible for other students as well. So I, my intention was to go back and do kind of student services work uh, at the undergrad level on some college campus. Um, so I ended up getting a degree in a master's in education, but the higher education pathway never materialized. And one day I, I was working uh, in San Francisco at the school district and one day I went into the break room and saw uh, a poster, because we didn't have internet in those days, saw a poster for a job at the San Francisco Education Fund, which was my first exposure to grant making as a, a, a strategy for investing in innovation and uh, of nonprofit organizations. And so I ended up getting that job and that was my introduction to the field. And I said, this is it. And uh, kept on the path and uh, have really had some amazing opportunities through doing this work, being able to support uh, impactful and activist work uh, while also 
of learning so much from the people who are on the front lines doing the work. I've never thought of myself as a frontline activist uh, because I've been more in roles where um, I'm trying to support the folks who do that frontline work. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so I'm curious then how, because I know we're talking a lot about like career and profession. Um, and this is like work that's very like personal too, right? Um, it can be very personal. Like how does, how do you, because I know I've, that's something I think I struggled with. E even at Smash, I felt a, a very deep attachment to the young men who I was working with, um, to the, the mission of the work. I mean, it was just at all the intersections of, it's at my alma mater, it's, it's, it's STEM, it's black boys, I'm like, this is me. My whole identity is kind of wrapped up in this thing. And, and I had a hard time, I had a hard time separating um, the work from who I am and my own achievement and worth and value and all those things. And so I, like, how do you, how do you, how have you, I know that you, you know, where your position, you're more supporting folks on the front line. But because the work we're talking about is very important, is critical. Like, how do you how do you strike that balance, or do you think you've you've like had a balance in that? I think that I've had a balance in that I have always viewed even this kind of support and and funding work as being part of the work because without it, some of that work can't happen, and so. I, I just recognize where I am relative to solving the problem or, you know, addressing the issues that that activists and nonprofit leaders and organizations uh, work toward. Uh, but I, I have always felt like I'm, I'm on the team, on the kind of broader team and in the ecosystem of people who are problem solving. The way that I think about my own contribution is you're about trying to have change happen in the world. You're focused on justice, being a black man, being a black queer man in the world. You want to see change happen so that all of us can blossom and be our best selves. And uh, yeah, so I've just always been oriented toward change work. I've never, I've never really been drawn to uh, being in a for-profit space that wasn't mission-driven. Matter of fact, I don't. I don't think I've ever had a role in in for profits. You know, like a a real full time role. I, I've I've done retail work. I worked. I worked at a Western Auto one time. <laughs> I worked yeah. in a tobacco factory in a wow. cigarette factory one summer. But aside from those kind of student jobs. Career-wise, I've never worked in a corporate space because of this melding between who I think I am as someone really oriented toward justice and uh, what I want to do and how I want to contribute in to the world on a daily basis. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Got it, got it. So now, so I want to then kind of talk about how we met, where you've been, earliest kind of what was the dream? Four-time Olympic gold medalist. Didn't know that. That that's a new, that's a new <laughs> nugget right there. I appreciate you sharing. Um, um but now and and even into the space here and now in the social impact space and wanting to affect change, how I want to kind of go into like identity, right? And how you view yourself and how you navigate the world. Cause that's a big part of what grab your why is right. Diving into these relationships between and among black men. Um, but also diving into more of like who, who we are and how we approach life. Um, so how, how has it, I just, maybe I'll just start there. How is your identity? How is being a black man, impacted how you show up um in not just in your roles but but in your life like how is um 
I'm learning to like just ask the question and leave it. And if I need to ask a follow up, how is being a black man impacted how you approach not just your work, but how you approach life? Woo. Big question. It's it's everything. It's um I think it I think my identity as a black man and and I I think I pretty much always uh can qualify that as a black gay man because I think that that also had that combination has a, a very particular um implication for how I have moved through life. Um, it is central to everything that I do because uh, of the ways that I think I relate to people and people relate to me when they kind of see me, when they see me coming, a, black, a brother coming down the street into the office, into the room, into the space, onto the screen, whatever, there's automatically, I think, assumptions about uh, who I am or, or how I'm going to show up just as, as a black man. Um, I think we get this privilege of uh, being male in a patriarchal society that values maleness, and uh, we also get the additional um, challenge, because I don't want to call it a burden, because I don't think it's a burden. I think it's a beautiful blessing. But the challenge of also being African descendant in a, a world that is built around white supremacy. So, you know, there, there's this kind of balance between privilege and challenge. And then on top of it, for me, being queer is yet another uh, kind of challenge because so many people have to overcome their own, um, you know, anti-gay sentiment is really based in misogyny. And so have to overcome their misogyny, overcome their discomfort uh, in order to just give me space to, to be. And uh, uh, I think I have... Uh, by just showing up and, and being out just demanded that space, not in a, not in an in your face, you going to see me, not yeah, that kind of yeah. thing, but just by not hiding. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that is how, that is how my identity, which is just so deeply part of who I am and how I think about moving through the world um, shows up for me. Cause I think about, I think about black maleness, black queer maleness every day, every day. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Just it, in relation to other people, because I, I also feel like so often uh, I'm the only one in a space. Hmm. And uh, when you are as conspicuous as that all the time, um, yeah, I just I just think about that. Hmm. Ooh, lots of questions are coming up. Thank you for sharing that. Um so man, I'm trying to figure out where to start now. With with the, so because you mentioned a lot of things and and, and I'm you know, always, especially this, this is still pretty early on in the podcast, right? Um, in my journey in this podcast. And so I do, I try to kind of give context and, and, and reminders about what this is and what you named is critical, um, to like the premise of this podcast is exactly what you said, the privilege of being male and the challenge of being black and living in this space simultaneously um, can cause some friction, internal friction and tension that I think becomes expressed in, in ways that people start to call toxic masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. um, that people mm -hmm. name uh, that, that looks violent um, or can be perceived as violent. And all these things kind of come out of that. 
And when you add this element of uh, sexuality or this element of queerness, um, how like that impacts, um, because I think you talked a lot about how that impacts how others perceive you. Um, and what I also hear you saying is, I show up as me regardless and in a way demand, or I don't, there's no opportunity to dismiss me because I just am. That's almost what I, what I, what I hear you saying. And that is how I think I have experienced you is like, Cedric is going to show up at Cedric wherever Cedric is. And I mean that in the most beautiful way, not harshly, not to be loud, not to demand in like the, in the sense, in a sense of like boisterousness or any, but that Cedric is going to be. And, and so I think the question I have then is who gave you permission to just show up as you to just be because that's what i get from you and i'm wondering is there someone who gave you permission or did that just come from you who who gave you permission to just be that is a great great question um i think i have divine permission so once i once i kind of squared up with the my spirituality and how I see myself as one of many divine creations here on earth. Um, I, I said, okay, th this is how I was created. This is how I was made. This is how I have been blessed. So let me walk in this. This is who I am. So let me walk in this. And I think that has enabled that knowledge and security has enabled me to then be in relationships with my family members who also had to say, oh, well, he's, cause I'm the first out person in my extended family. Yeah. And uh, others have, have had to go through their own process to uh, kind of understand what that is, what that means, who I am, and uh, have come to respect and embrace me. Um, but it, I, it really started with me. Mm. And uh, I have been validated, of course, by other people. Um, as I was coming out as a, a younger man, I kind of fell into a group of uh, very visible Black gay artist activists like Marlon Riggs, who is a, an Emmy Award-winning uh, filmmaker who created the landmark film Tongues Untied about Black gay men's experiences. And so I, I was able to befriend him. And uh, he, among others, gave me permission just through their example of being who they were. Um, and these guys were older than, than I, so they were further along in life and had accomplished things that I had yet to accomplish. So looking at them in their path, I said, okay, this, they are definitely trailblazers. I'm trailblazing in a certain way. And so let me keep on this path. This is who I am. This is, is how I've been created to be. So let me just do it. Then let me not fight it. Let me do it. Let me step into it as fully as I can. And then I think over time, um, over time, if one is really, this is my opinion, if one is really trying to be in tune with who they are at all stages of life, if you're really thoughtful about who you are and who you're trying to be, um, you just get into a rhythm, you get into, you get onto a path or you get uh, in a flow and uh, your growth, well, I'll personalize this. I feel like my growth has just always felt organic. Like the next thing has evolved because I have 
um, tried to be very present with who I am at all times. Journaling has been a really important part of that growth process for me, really recording what I'm thinking about and uh, where I feel like I am. Therapy has been important for being able to just get stuff out. Like I, I like to tell people, you don't have to have some kind of central, awful problem to go to therapy. You don't have to be on the verge of losing it completely to go to therapy. Therapy is great if you want to go and tell somebody, one person, all your business, knowing that it's going to stay right there and uh, to figure out what you need to do based on what you are actually saying and sharing to someone who is going to give you some feedback about that. So I have loved therapy over the years. Um, And those things just keep me, well, and of course, spirituality, those things just keep me grounded and moving forward and growing. That, that seemed like a, a a kind of babbling answer, but it's all in there. Oh, it's all in there. It's all there. (laughs) <laughs> that, that was that was that was your answer and, and that was that was the answer that that was needed um yeah man i you know i yeah i've had a moment there when you first started talking you said it's um divine and, and you gave yourself permission i think that is um so powerful and um i think i you know and also I'm big on journaling and therapy as well. And I, I've been, um, I've been seeing a therapist for two, two or three years now, and it's been transformational. Um, and it's a, a black woman, a, another friend of mine, a black man suggested uh, a, a black woman. Um, and I think part of that is important because as a straight black man, as a, as a heterosexual black man, who's in relationship with, Black women, you know, recognizing that I have many blind spots, um, you know, having that perspective from a therapist has been um, immensely important to to me in my my life. And the other side of that is being in relationship with uh, gay and queer Black men has also been really important to me and i i've never said this to you to, to you either uh but yeah i you know i have there are a few um gay black men who are like good who i consider friends um at, at different levels of friendship with with these guys and um those relationships are extremely important and I just see the value in them. I can, I, I uh, appreciate the, um, not, not that, not that queer black men are so other, right. And all these unicorns, I get to spend time. It's not that, but that I know and understand that is in the same way that I have blind spots when it comes to women um and, and and folks who are not you know cisgender men like i i have the same thing when it comes to um um folks who are or men who who are gay or queer and just like being in relationship with you all i get to see and hear my blind spots my biases mm-hmm. and i think it's help me to become a more full and more whole person. Um, so I, I'm big on everything you said and um, big on listening to and valuing the perspectives of people who have different lived experiences from yourself. That is yes. one of the best things you can do for yourself, in my opinion. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. And you know, I, I want to appreciate your security and your openness 
around being able to be in relationship with a queer and black gay men um, because I have found in my life experience that so many straight men, straight black men are not able to, aren't able to because there's something about that that feels so um, unsettling to them. And uh, I think if you if you know who you are, you know who you like, then you're not going to trip. So yeah. don't trip. So, you know, every, every man in, out after you. I, I think that some of it just boils down to that. Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciate, because I also like being in conversations with friendships, et cetera, with uh, straight brothers, because it's a different energy. And uh, as deep and uh, uh, kind of expansive as my relationships with other Black gay men are, um, who are among my best and longest uh, term friends, um, you know, I'm also in a fraternity and uh, really appreciate being in that space where often I'm, I'm the only or one of very few out men. I mean, it's a historically Black fraternity. And uh, I appreciate being in that space, too, because they're brothers who are fully accepting um, so much so that at one point I, it made me uncomfortable because I was like, well, I don't it, you got your arm around me now. And I don't know. I don't. This is how I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> this is making me uncomfortable because I don't I don't at any point want somebody to think um that that I'm coming after him by being affectionate. So I feel like I've really had to temper how I show up in front of, of straight men. Um, but these brothers are teaching me, no, I'm comfortable and I want you to be fully who you are. And uh, it has just been beautiful, beautiful to witness and experience these kinds of relationships because we can be who we all are. And it'll it it's a great thing. So I just wanted to express that appreciation to you and keep it up. Yeah, for sure. Look, for sure. And I I thank you um, for for the acknowledgement. And I don't do it for any you know for it's like of course to me. Yeah, for me, it's. Um, I, I really do think that we are all selfishly, it's for me, right? Selfishly, like I want to be a better human being. I feel that and this again, and this is opinion, and I and I have my my, my premises on the show are this. I'm an expert on two things, biochemistry and Brian, right? And I'm still learning, Brian. I'm still becoming an expert on myself, right? Um, and and so, I you know I try to express and say this is my perspective, my opinion. I'm not trying to give y'all law. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to say you have to think or believe this way. But this is my opinion and, and, and experience. I think that patriarchy has stolen so much from men and has restricted us so much from the fullness of our humanity. And I don't want to get caught up in what I think is, or, or I'm not bought into the ideas and the narratives around what a man is and what a man isn't mm -hmm. to the point where it restricts me from being all of who Brian is. Yes. And so part of that is I'm going to spend time with people who have a different lived experience from me. I happen to be black. I happen to love black people. And so I'm going to be skewed towards black folks. I happen to be a black man. If you are a black man or identify as a black man, I want to spend time with you because I want to understand how you have experienced this world, how you have experienced society and how you navigate this thing, right? If you are a black woman or identify as a black woman, 
I want to know that experience too. I want to know how you move through this world and how you've experienced people like me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's so on, on a, in a selfish sense, this is, a, yeah, I'm trying to become, this is me and my, my desire and journey to become the fullest version of myself I can be. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the other side, there's the, the, I am also here to be a safe person in a safe space yeah. for people who don't have safe who are not safe, let's just yes. say that, who are not safe. So I do aim to be um, someone who is um, safe for all people to come to, to just yeah. be, to not perform, yes. to not fake it. Um, and, and so that is the other the other element. And, and a previous episode of recording, a cousin of mine, we shot an episode and um, we, we were at a wedding uh, we share a mutual cousin on different sides of, of the family um, who, who happens to be a friend of mine. Um, and, and I'm also realizing there's some other connections there too. Maybe I'll tell you, tell you off, offline, but um, we're at a wedding and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he, he is out now and like shared that. And I was, and I told him, I'm like, Hey man, thank you for trusting me with that like not that it has to be a big deal and for him he's like i'm out like it doesn't matter to me like yeah but the the idea that it's not always safe um or it doesn't always feel safe to express who you really are or to just be who you are um and let's call it what it is especially to straight black men if you are a queer gay black man that makes me that that's unsettling to me. And I never want to be a person who is unsafe for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I'll, I say all that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I deeply, I deeply appreciate that deeply and definitely appreciate that. And, and love the, the frame of, I want to be a safe person. People can come to me, we, we can be in relationship and they don't have to feel insecure about being their authentic selves with me. I, I share that aspiration with you and I, I thank you and appreciate the frame for it uh, because I hadn't thought about it like that. That's enormously important. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, so I want to ask you a question with all of that. Um, And I guess you you sort of you you spoke to it. Um, you're talking about you know fraternity brothers and and appreciating being around, um, uh, you know, straight black men. Um, and I'll just read the question, right? How do you navigate your own identity and masculinity within the broader context of black male culture? Like how? How? Yeah. I'll clarify if you want. So th these questions of masculinity are always uh, interesting to me because uh, as I get older, I'm not sure where I fall out in, where, where I fall out with respect to thinking about the importance of masculinity. I today feel like everybody has masculine and feminine energies, everybody. Um, you, you spoke of the pitfalls of, of patriarchy. I think one of the definite pitfalls of patriarchy is that men are conditioned to and too often embrace the downplaying of, if not just straight up attempt to eliminate their own femininity. And this is regardless of orientation, because even in Black queer spaces, there's still, I think, a premium put on being uh, hypermasculine, being butch, being butch looking, being um, being very kind of masculine acting. Um, and that can be that can be at the expense of what well, it is at the expense of understanding where that feminine kind of creative and birthing energy that we all have fits in. As someone who is a creative person, 
and uh, uh, an artist and writer and, and used to be performer, that energy has been super important for me to maintain. Uh, but I have asked myself over the years, in order for me to feel safe, I've had to, to perform a certain kind of masculinity and uh, to suppress just being my natural kind of more um, expressive self, which can be perceived as being more feminine. So what have I lost creatively because I have tried to suppress some of this feminine energy in my estimation so I can be safer? Um, and it, it it's a in a way a devastating thought that I've had to cut part of myself off in order to um, feel safe or feel like, I mean, not just feel like I fit in, but feel physically safe when moving through spaces um, so that, that I'm not verbally or physically attacked. And so my relationship to masculinity has been, um, you know, kind of fraught in that I see it as this thing that is part of who I am, see it as this thing that is necessary for me to embrace in particularly in certain situations, but also see it as something that has overridden uh, other parts of me um, because of uh, the, the necessities around safety. And, and that's sad to me. Mm. Man, that, that, that's, uh, that is, that feels very on the nose. Uh, like, yeah, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to sit, sit with, with that. Well, let, let me also share this. Please. Um, Alice Walker. I, I, I was thinking about for, for um, another conversation, I was thinking about uh, someone who has really uh, helped to shape my political identity. And uh, Alice Walker was one of the, the folks that I, I came up with. Because in reading her work, she combines the, the personal and the political kind of art and politics. Um, in everything. Her, her politics are woven throughout all of her, most all of her creative output. Um, I know she's tired of the color purple being kind of the, the singular work that people go to, but I feel like what she, that the transformation that she has uh, highlighted in the color purple, the transformation of Harpo and the transformation of Mr., has been sadly, sadly miscast, misunderstood, and uh, not valued enough. Because she didn't strip them of quote-unquote masculinity. She enabled them to balance their energies such that their masculinity was a positive, wonderful, uh, contributory thing in the relationships that they were starting to build. Once they got away from the notion that this masculinity had to rule, had to oppress, mm. had to restrict, had to constrain, it was choking them as much as it was the, the women that they were in relationships with, as much as it, it choked and suppressed Seely and tried to beat down Sophia, but we know what happened with that. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought about the color purple or long thought about the color purple as a manual of sorts around manhood that we, we get to embrace the best of who we are divinely and let go of some of the stuff that does not serve us that others think should serve us. There's this way to be a man the way to be a man is your way to be a man. How, how is it expressing mm. through you rather than how somebody else telling you how to be a man? That's where it becomes problematic. The way to be a man is your way to be a man. 
not to reduce everything you just said there, but <laughs> that may be the, that may be, that is the title of this episode. Um, I'm just taking a note. So <clears throat> I'm looking at the time. I want to be respectful of time. Ooh, wow, um, that flew by. Look, it, it is how it, this is how it <laughs> happens every time. And um, so, but this also sets up part two. I think there's Great. a part two that we can, we can do uh, down the road and, and dive deeper into, because I realized I asked that question about masculinity, but we never even, I never even asked you your uh, definition or perspective on it. And you, but you gave that and I, I appreciate that. Um, so we, we got to do a part two. Okay. Uh, I'm down. So, look, I got one last segment, though, before we go. Rapid fire. I got 21 questions. Quick. <laughs> Quick. Rapid fire. The segment is called I'm Not Gonna Hold You. Right? Not Gonna Hold You. Not Gonna Hold You. But I got to ask these questions. Right? So I'm give ready. it to me. Whatever comes off the top of your head, give them to me. I'm doing this with every guest. And my hope is, you know, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, put together kind of a mosaic, if you will of all these different responses to kind of show the, the diverse um, perspectives, experiences, interests, inclinations, all that uh, of different black men. So Ooh. rapid fire, Ready. not gonna hold you. Ready. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. What's your favorite way to unwind after a long day? Um, kick back on the, on the couch. Would you rather go on a road trip or a cruise? Road trip. Favorite childhood memory? Oh my goodness. There's so many. Can that be the answer? <laughs> there's so many. And there's so, so many because uh, I grew up with a bunch of cousins. I, I have four siblings and we have 30 cousins. And uh, we have so, so many memories together of fun and happiness growing up. Just so many. Uh, it sounds like me. I've got three siblings and we have about 30 something or four, almost 40 first cousins just on my dad's side. So, the yeah. best. Mm -hmm. Favorite TV show? Oy. Uh, because this is rapid fire, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say what what comes to mind. Southside. Okay. Still haven't watched it. Gotta check it out. Love it. What's something you've always wanted to do but haven't had the courage to try? Always wanted to do, but I haven't had the courage to try. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've pretty much tried to, to, I've tried to do everything that I've wanted to do. Um, pass. I might have to come back to that. Okay. Would you rather have a pet dog or a pet cat? Neither. Got it. Um, if I had, <laughs> neither. I can't stand either of them. <laughs> oh man. Um, what's your favorite type of music? Oh, jazz, absolutely. What's one thing you've learned about yourself this year? Ooh, one thing I've learned about myself this year. I can make a comeback. Hmm. Hmm. Man. What's something about you that people might be surprised to learn? People, people are surprised to learn that I'm an introvert. I feel like you told me that during a, a maybe a recent conversation, and I was like, huh. "Yeah, yeah." Uh, if you could go, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. To do it, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think just to reinforce that, um, don't be afraid. What's something you've accomplished that you're really proud of? 
Um, well, my whole life. Um, I will say recently, uh, I was able to work with President Obama to kick off his to 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 frame and kick off his scholarship program. the The foundation of that scholarship program was my idea. Wow. Big flex. Not the scholarship itself. That was his idea, but the way that it set up was my yeah. idea. Look, that's work. That's, yeah, that stuff doesn't just happen, right? Anybody right. can have that idea, but you, you made something happen. Big flex. That's a big flex. Um, What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? <laughs> um. Uh, once I decided I was gonna fly to New York and back in a 24 hour period. So I did it. Gotcha. And th this is when I was living in California. So, you know, that's, oh, a, that's yeah. a day going a day coming back. So that's a big one. Yeah. Did that. What is your favorite soul food dish? It has to be some greens, and maybe that's because I'm craving some good collard greens right now. Yeah. Gotcha. Favorite book? What's your favorite book? I I still think, I mean, they, I have so many favorite books, but um, I still think it's Jazz by Toni Morrison. Okay. Okay. Would you rather go bungee jumping or skydiving? Skydiving. What's your favorite? Maybe that's the thing that I haven't done that 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 uh, that I have not yet done. That that's the thing I haven't yet done. Gotcha. Cool. Check that off. Uh, what's your favorite quote? Mm. Uh, because I'm blanking, uh, I'm gonna say the Serenity Prayer. Uh, in, in being able to change things I can, can't control to now, now I can't even quote it. Um, accept the things and the wisdom to know the difference. That's right. Accept the things I can't change, change the things I can't accept and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, that, that is a favorite quote. Okay. Uh, would you rather have a green thumb or be a master chef? Master chef. Give me one unpopular opinion. Ooh, one unpopular opinion that eventually we should let go of gender roles. Mm. Mm. In order to achieve our full humanity, we, we need to just be who we are, show up as who we are. And that means letting go of gender roles, letting go of these expectations that if you biologically show up in a certain body, you're going to do certain things. Yeah. Um, I think in order to achieve our full humanity, all of us, we have to let go of those expectations and just be. Mm. Part two. We're gonna, we can go there in part two. Um, would you rather travel back in time or to the future? Probably back in time. Hmm. It it depends on whether or not we can control where we go. Right. <laughs> now, if it's a random trip, I'm not going back. I'm going to go forward. But, you know, if we can say, oh, I want to go back to this, then yeah. I would go back. Gotcha. Gotcha. Last question. What's the best advice you've ever received? When I was in the 10th grade, um, I was struggling with, um, you know, I, I knew that I had the capacity to do more and I wanted to do more and be more. And, but I, I was really struggling with trying to fit in. And uh, my best friend at the time, John Poindexter, told me, you need to be yourself. And, and he didn't say do you because do you wasn't a thing yet. But he said you needed to be yourself and do yourself. And that actually 
gave me a certain kind of social permission to be me more fully. And that put me on a whole path uh, toward a certain kind of success. And I, to this day, appreciate that advice coming from my best friend. John Poindexter. Yep, Johnny P. Johnny P. Man, what a way to close. Cedric, this has been been beautiful, man. I um, I appreciate you so much um, for the conversation, for the ways that you show up in this world. We need you, man. You are a light. And um, I, I, I hope that just in your words today that this has given some people permission to be themselves more fully. I feel uh, more confident to, to be me and walk in my fullness um, from this conversation. I can't wait to go back and listen to it. And, and I can't wait for the people to hear it. So thank you. I appreciate you, man. Dr. G, thank you. Thank you for creating this space, this your brilliance that, that you are bringing to this work, this space, this purpose. And I'm sure that that Grab Your Why is going to have this fantastic effect for listeners and people who are able to nourish their own souls through engaging with this work. I, I feel nourished and full right now. I haven't even eaten breakfast yet. I feel so i thank you good brother thank you for sure for sure well with that we gotta get part two on the books i'll work that out with you we'll, we'll figure out when we'll do that but in the meantime and be well folks this is grab your why we'll see y'all next time peace